Unloose the goose. We'll take no use. Your paradigms run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. All right. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. I'm back with the uh, the Goose Group here, and uh, it's been a while. I think the last episode I did with you guys was like in August or something like that. The good old days. Yeah, it's been, and I think you're on. Like, what is this episode 26 or something like that? Yep. Wow. Okay. So this is good awesome. Good run. Totally. So we're streaming here on my channel because why not? There's already lots of people trickling in here, and uh, for those of you who are coming into on my channel and going. Curtis returns to UTG. What the hell is that? UTG is Unloose the Goose. This is like a, a podcast that a bunch of these awesome folks, uh, we, we started together in the summer, kind of came out of an idea when I did that video called um, How to Regenerate the World. And it's kind of, we're interested in solving problems, kind of from an agorist, anarcho-capitalist, homesteading perspective. Um and we get into all kinds of different topics, and every week there's a different topic. And so today I get to play MC because I had an idea on a topic that I wanted to get into that's been something that's been really on my mind, and it's actually been kind of driving me crazy lately, is how we keep communities on track. And I, and, and I, and I really wanted to have John Bush in here too, um, as well, of course, everybody else. But John uh, created this idea of freedom cells, which is a, is a fantastic idea. We'll talk more about that in the podcast. But there's a lot of these freedom cells around right now. And I'm actually in a couple of them, one that's a Canadian freedom cell group and then one which is a British Columbia freedom cell group. And they're awesome. And I'm in all kinds of other Telegram groups. We use Telegram. I, I think I introduced that to our group here. We use it to communicate. It's a really cool censorship-free alternative communication platform. And it's great. Um, and there's all these telegram groups out now. Like I, I don't even do anything on social media anymore. I just, I just use telegram. And one of the things that's driving me crazy about a lot of these groups is that you get people in there who just chat. And so I'm, I'm just kind of prefacing our conversation here and, and I want to try to find a solution to it is that I see in these groups is like anything, you always have this sort of Pareto principle of distribution where there's like a small minority of people who do most of the stuff. And I always notice this in online groups. And I, I sometimes go in these these Telegram groups and I see five people out of a thousand or 500, say, who who are posting at five in the morning, 12 in the afternoon, 3 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m., midnight. I don't know if they sleep, but they're literally in there chatting all day. And it makes me wonder if these groups are here to get shit done. I don't know if these are the guys that are getting shit done. They're just in there chatting. And it's, it starts to drive me crazy because I, I have a couple groups that I manage myself. And it's like, if the, if the online conversation is so cluttered with memes and people just chatting about nothing, how do you filter through to find things on how to get shit done? or how to communicate things that are important. And this kind of goes broader. I also was hoping we could talk about actual community and, and people actually getting together in the real and the flesh. But that's kind of a thing that is driving me crazy right now, especially with where we're at. Cause look where we're at. We got, 
We got, we got, uh, China Joe in the U.S., which is bringing you guys to the, to the, the gates of the new world order. And up here in Canada, we've got Castro. We've got, um, uh, Trudeau Castro, uh, bringing us to the gates of the new world order, uh, through the vehicle of communist China. And, uh, it's insane. And it, it, I think it's time that a lot of people have to get shit done either for themselves, their family or their immediate community. But I think it's time that people start acting and doing stuff. And, uh, these communities are great because we can pull people together of like mind and make things happen. But my question is, how do we keep them focused? How do we keep people on track? Are we prioritizing people or what is it? So maybe I'll leave it there and, and open it up to any of you guys who want to kind of jump in on that one. I'll, Jack, I'll pick up there a little bit. First of all, like don't be too hard on those people that are in your telegram group or whatever all the time. They tend to be the technical people that keep that group running and add all the cool shit to it. So they're filling that role. Then on the rest of the people, I kind of look at it like back when I lived in Pennsylvania, because it was hard to get a liquor license and open a bar, um, a lot of like social clubs opened up. And so you'd have things like I joined a rod and gun club, which was supposed to be so you go there to like meet people to go hunting and fishing. So you start showing up and it's just a bar with a bunch of people running their mouth about random crap. And you're thinking nobody here hunts. And after a while, if you go and you kind of fit in and you start talking to people, you realize, well, if I have a really cool place to fish, I'm not taking just anybody there. Right. So you figure out about half the people are there because they're using the loophole to have a place to go drink a beer. And the other half of the people, they're actually do fish and hunt. And then as you form relationships, then somebody's like, hey, man, we're going up county, you know, hunting for pheasants next week. You want to come with us? It might take a while before you receive that invitation. And and I've always tried to compare, because I go back online to when people used regular old school, like, PHP BB forums and stuff. And, and I've all, I made that analogy even back then, and I think it's the same. I think people eventually become comfortable with each other. Then some small portion uh, become different collective little groups, clickish type things. And then those groups start to do things in the real world, in IRL world together. And I think that's the, the, the same thing. And I think it's a big, it actually works really well with John, John's model with freedom cells because the cells, you know, ideally about eight people. And there's a limit. Like if you have a thousand people and everybody's in it to do something, they're still going to break into, you know, 800 groups or something. Yeah. Tagging yeah. off of Jack's, I do think it is important not to get upset at the five people who do all the talking. Um, but it's also up to the leaders and, and I don't mean like dictator leaders, but the people who just sort of form as natural leaders in your group to set the tone for what's appropriate. So if you have five people just bitching all day long about everything or whatever, that will bring your whole group down. And so I know what you want to do is model what you want first. I think in those groups, like, Oh, Hey, like change of subject. Let's talk about something. How are you doing your raised beds this year or whatever that is? And sometimes even talk to them on the side. If they're, if you got somebody in there who's Debbie Downer all the time, everything's always going wrong. I understand some people, we all have different times of our lives, but you can't just be bringing the whole group down or people stop coming. So I think the, the risk of those, the over communicators is if they get into a bad place and bring the bad place into the group, then the group becomes less effective. Valid. Yeah, yeah. totally. We've had to be a little more, 
hands-on in the Freedom Cell network with some of these telegram groups because the network as a whole has grown to 16,500 people so far. It was just at 12,000 before we did our greater reset. And then before COVID, it was a thousand. So like the enemies of the Liberty are the best players on our team, motivating people to get organized. But um, the whole concept is supposed to be like, it's an open source idea. It's just like a a concept, a framework for human beings to organize themselves in a decentralized way around the group of eight, inner cadre, and then you link up with other groups of eight to form a middle cadre. This is a, around a city. And then there's other middle cadres that form a meta cadre, perhaps around a state or a bio region or whatever. And we want it to be as hands off as possible where myself, who came up with the concept, but also am kind of a leader, right? There's natural leaders and followers. That's just something in human nature. We don't have to resist it as anarchists like a lot of people do. But the idea is to be as hands-off and for allow to allow spontaneous order. But as these groups grow, for example, our global telegram group has 1,400 members. And when we started bumping up around 400 or 500, I was like, all right, I need to pin a message that shows the purpose of the group. The purpose of this group is to organize freedom cells and to discuss strategies and tactics for us to find more freedom in our lives. And when you put that purpose out, now you have something to reference when people go against the purpose. Because like you started off, Curtis, a lot of people just want to chat. A lot of people want to complain. But we're beyond the time for that, right? It's crunch time now. And so we also created an off-topic group. So now we have a thing when someone posts something that is off topic, it's not about organizing or strategies for freedom. We say, hey, can you please post that or we forward it to the off topic group? We try to reference it so people have an understanding of what is germane and what's not germane. And then if they just keep on with it, then we just delete the post. And most people are like, oh, yeah, my bad. I didn't know there was a a purpose for the group, a pin message. Some people are like, well, why doesn't this make sense? And, you know, what Lynn Wood said about what's taking place with Trump and blah, blah, blah is totally germane. And if they like resist and they're kind of a jerk about it, then I just throw the band hammer down because like I ain't nobody got time for that shit, in my opinion. But I think putting the group purpose out there and letting everyone setting the tone that we're focused on building, organizing, and finding freedom, and then you have a place where people can go if they just want to chit-chat or share the latest memes. We even have a meme group. If someone shares a meme, it's like, hey, there's a meme group for that. This is for organizing freedom cells. That's brilliant because it's just po- it's a lot easier than banning somebody. And it's, yeah, this is, it's just this like is the other room there. for that, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's and I like what Jack has done on Telegram specifically with a channel versus a group. So yeah. if you want to follow the survival podcast channel, unless the goose has this too, it's not a conversation. He just puts the link out there. And so you can just, at the end of the day, if you're busy and didn't keep up with all the chat, you can just see the germane stuff about the person you're following versus the group where it's just whatever they want to talk about all day long. Right. right. No way to keep up with that. If you're not in there. <laughs> Sal, did you have anything to say on that? I would just echo what John said. Um, I think it really comes down to like, especially like, you know, agorist, like leadership, especially like if you're going to like start these like groups and and highly specified things. I guess the only thing beyond that that I would have to add to that point is just that I think community really comes from economic engagement, right? That's, that's how you form a community by interacting with one another on like a sort of economic level. And that sort of, again, that falls back to the leadership. So. You know, you can't have you can't have a forced community. You can't force people to be to be one and to act like like they're on the same team. That only comes through voluntary participation. And a lot of that, again, falls back to leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can also encourage people to like, OK, handle it the same way you do a business meeting. 
I know all of us at one time in our life had regular jobs and stuff. And you end up in this meeting and there's like nine people there. <laughs> and these are all people that make a hundred grand a year plus, And two people are having a conversation that has nothing to do with the other 600 grand a year being burned during this time and not doing its other job. And you say what? Y'all take this over there. When we're done with the meeting, y'all can continue that on your own. Yeah. And I think that's another tool that can be used with moderation of like, this is becoming a two person conversation about something not related to the group. That's great. Y'all, y'all go direct on that and then come back in here to talk about the group's point and how you handle it is, you know, The, it's personal. Like I'm, I'm like John, man. I, in fact, I'm worse. I'll put a picture of a hammer hitting somebody before <laughs> yeah. I ban you. Like, like, you know, just to let you know it's coming. The one with the that crazy chick from uh, the superhero movies with Joker. What's her name? Uh, Harley Quinn. Like oh, she's yeah. psychotic with that hammer. Right. I put that gif up and then I ban him. Boom. <laughs> Bye. Gone. So that's so that's great, and th th that's. Um, that really answers a lot of my questions because some of the big takeaways I got from there is be very upfront with why and what you're doing and being very specific about that. Have some leadership in it. Um, create alternative groups to kind of path of least resistance, usher people too. And then don't be afraid to just like kick people out if they're being annoying, really. Yeah. So yeah. the the other thing I, I thought would be cool to talk about is, and I, I'm actually seeing this in some of the questions, uh, and I'll just remind people if they want us to answer some questions, uh, as Nicole said earlier, just do it in all caps. That way it, it stands out easier. Is that how we move these things from online to offline? Because I think at this juncture with where we're at, with this whole great reset rollout, all this stuff, the real gravy is going to get done with us meeting up in real life because online communities are great to like, maybe there's all kinds of things you can, you can source materials, you can build a greater network, you can mobilize things. There's, there's so many great things about online communities. However, when it really comes down to it, when the shit's hitting the fan, it's who's around you. And so I'm kind of curious what some, uh, maybe we could start with you on this one, John, but I'm just kind of curious, like, where the rubber meets the road for you and what some of some experiences you've had in the past of, of getting these people offline together and, and doing stuff together. Yeah, I think doing stuff and not just meeting, although meeting has its purpose, but really what's more effective and what is more, uh, what helps to build a tight bond with the community is doing stuff. And that's why I appreciate, you know, me and Jack coming closer together recently. And then now there's overlap between Jack and Nicole's community and the Freedom Cell Network because they're all about getting shit done. Right. And that's that's what it's all about. Not just talking about Freedom Cells or why it's a great strategy or this, that or the other, but coming together and doing stuff. So I think having something for people to do, like building a garden in someone's backyard or a workshop is extremely important, but that's not to take away of the benefit of actually getting to knowing one, getting to know one another, forming a bond. And so I think a monthly meeting for a local community is, is a really good thing. And the monthly meeting is where you bring as many people together as possible. You share about the ideas that you're, that you're pushing for new people, but then you kind of give updates from maybe some subgroups like a, a committee or a cadre that was focusing on encrypted communication or people want to go in and buy land together and you get people to come together. Now we have had some struggles with the venue 
because we're in this crazy lockdown era. Um, so we've done three monthly meetups recently. The first one had like 45 people. The next one had 50 people. The next one had 60 people. And in that time, the venue that was hosting us, they had also shared a Facebook event for like a big dance event. And they ended up getting run through the gauntlet by all of the Karens and the online shaming community, which then led to some hesitation and a little bit of fear, rightfully so, because it was a venue that's also their place of business and, and how they earn a living. So right now we're trying to – I'd like to find a venue that's loud and proud and perhaps isn't in the city of Austin, which has more burdensome regulations. So that's something to be aware of. If people have property, that's great. Jack, we did the workshop at your place. Jack's got his own spot. It was perfectly accommodating, and we had stuff there to do as far as workshops go. So I think having a monthly regular meeting for the whole group, but at the meeting you emphasize, guys, the meeting's not where – the actions at what we do in between these meetings is what's important. So give people action items, inspire them, organize like subgroups where this group's going to get together and they're going to put together an aquaponics system on so-and-so's property. This group's going to get together for the ham radio meetup. Having stuff to do, I think is critical. And people are, you know, in spite of what you'll hear on TV or the news, if you don't watch that stuff, uh, people are yearning to get out and, and to have a human connection and shake hands and hug. And if you provide that venue and that platform for to do that, if you build it, they will come. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been asking venues beforehand if they will shut down if there's a limit before advertising, John, just for that reason. And choosing to partner, if we're not going to do it here at my at my property, to partner with venues that will do that. So we were really lucky. I met a guy at Jack's workshop in the fall who has a hiker hostel and pub. And I said, okay, so if the governor says maximum meeting is 10 people... And we have more than 10. What are you going to do? And he's like, nobody cares up here, Nicole. And that's exactly what happened. We did this regional freedom cell meetup. And two days before it or something, the governor said 10 people. And we just went. Yeah. And it was just normal. That's what it's all about. So I think the loud and proud thing is right on. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can also, I mean, like the one thing we still have in this country is we still have the vestiges of a republic. Texas is a pretty good place to be right now. It's it's not highly restricted, but if you really want to run a big event, go to Florida. We're we're salaries. Yeah. We're Sal ran to Florida. Sounds amazing. And I was a now. pussy for saying to run away. <laughs> yeah. By the way, and, Florida just uh, got better. And totally. it was uh, no, he he picked the right state, right? I mean, like if I wasn't here, I'd be in Florida. Um, there's Sal lives in a place with no COVID, no real meaningful COVID restrictions. Yeah. No. And he lives in the same country <clears throat> as I do. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, we have that. We actually have like a local like block party coming up like another week or two. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited Good about it. I can't you. wait. Man, that's amazing. So selfish, just, Sal. That's so selfish. It's amazing. I mean, I love I've always loved <laughs> Florida. the weather <laughs> down there and just the fact that it's like a totally open. It's just amazing. Honestly, yeah. I forget. Sometimes I forget that the rest of the world is going through this whole scandemic. Yeah. Well, you came from Jersey. You came from absolute <laughs> yeah. hell on earth. I was in it. I was, in, I, I was like Versus in Manhattan. We were so in the middle bad. of it. Man. Joyzy. So I was born in the Jersey. Other thing I, I got out of two Curtis to your age. question is that the yardstick doesn't have to be like, did I get 60 people like John Bush did, right? No. If right. four of you show yeah. up the first time, that's a win and don't give up because I think a lot of people want to see it explode right away, but it's going to grow organically and at its own speed. Yeah, and I would even say that. He used to have that thing. Totally. Happen, right? I, I would even say that smaller is probably better. But the one thing I wanted to add to this that I've had in my own, my own experience over the last year, um, 
I've done a number of different types of groups. We had like a, a law type assembly group where it was about 15 people were getting together weekly. Um, I've got various different telegram groups and all this. The best group that I've been involved with in the last year has been my farm. So we started a cooperative farm and I've done a number of videos about it, but that has been far none the best group because it's like we all kind of alluded to when we were first talking about the reasons and why you get together is when you get shit done, that's like the real thing that pulls people together. And the farm has been incredible. We, 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 we had our, our membership started out with five members. We've now expanded it to 11 and we just had a big group meeting uh, the other night here. Everybody brought their kids. It was amazing. But that kind of thing has just been the best because it, it, there's a, so much purpose behind that. There's a reason to get together and there's something so amazing about when you get people together to do work, it's really cool because as you all know, you can work and have conversations at the same time. It's almost better to do that than to have a meeting and just discuss, well, what do you want to do? Yeah. Like actually to have a purpose, you're moving compost, you're prepping beds, whatever it is, you're putting up greenhouses and some of the best conversations come out of, out of that. Um, but look, we also got something done at the same time. Yeah. So is this group you're doing, Curtis? Is this like a group of farmers going to each other's farms to help each other get their farm established? Is it your customers? No. Like a, I know you don't like CSAs, but is it sort of kind of like a CSA? No, it's, like, to be honest, Jack, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever done in the past. It, it's, it's, a, it's a cooperative farm. We call it SHTF Farm. Basically, <laughs> when all the Rona hoax was starting and, you know, when it started really ramping up in April – I was like really concerned about food shortages. And, you know, we grow a lot of food on my homestead, like more than enough for us. But I just started to think about the bigger picture and the fact that I wanted to build a cadre of people around me. I wanted a reason to get to know them better, but I also wanted uh, a, a way to spread out my skill base amongst people so that that could help me too. And so basically so we like formed, we all bought in and we built a farm. And it's just a completely cooperative farm. There's no profit or involved or anything. Is it like your land, but you got went in together on infrastructure? Or is it collectively owned as property? We we leased. We've got we leased a half acre from a farmer that oh, okay. I know in the area. Okay. And then we basically all put in five grand to start. That was more, we didn't even use all that money, not even close, um, to that build ass. all the infrastructure, irrigation, all that greenhouses. And now we brought in new members that have bought in and they've kind of bought part of our shares out, but it's a non, it's yeah. a nonprofit and it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a co-op. It's a co-op farm. I'm kind of the benevolent dictator. So it's like community it. gardens <laughs> at farm scale. What's that? Is that what it is? It's like community gardening at a farm scale. Yeah, it looks yeah. like it looks like one of my farms. It's 50 foot beds, 30 inch wide. There's four high tunnels. It looks like a commercial farm, but it's just growing for the members of the the co-op. That's, That's a really great cool. project. Anyone can do that anywhere. And you, you can, and that, I think like this is a thing that people should really start talking about, especially all these people that are in kind of cities, because like. You know, I think actually last time uh, Jack and I were on Sal's podcast, we kind of talked about that a bit. And just like my thoughts are at this point, if you're really con concerned about food security, doing a balcony garden isn't going to do anything for you. And so that's where I kind of said, you know, starting something like a cooperative farm with people where you can really grow, you know, you can grow 500 row feet of potatoes. That's serious, right? That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, th yeah, that's well, a bit more about 
I think I think that's and if you read McConkin writes in in New Libertarian Manifesto, that's exactly what he says is that you have to start small, almost like it's it's sort of ironic because he uses the same sort of structure that John uses with freedom cells and like you start off with small groups that interface with larger groups and it all takes place in a sort of entrepreneurial fashion. That's that's the sort of the the tie that binds everything, and it's interesting that we say about co-ops because after um, that episode with you and Jack. I can't tell you how many people contacted me saying like, Hey, I just, I, I just signed up for this co-op or this CSA or something like that. So it really is sort of like a tie that binds. What's up, X? There he is. <laughs> Savior Hawk joins the Baseline. You made it. Boom. Baseline. Better Boom. late than never. <laughs> so. Human resonance. I agree yeah. with the light of the eternally late creator. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, oh, X. Thank you, thank you for my tardiness. Well, so, we'll um, at least you know you're late this time. It's like not like what, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, this is the usual time, right? Five thirty. Yeah, I don't know. Dang, he got us. He um, got us. Yeah. Is that normally when it is two thirty? I thought it was, or, or I'm, I'm going on. P- I, you PSD. know, I thought it was two and seven thirty. No, it's usually four thirty central. Which or would be four yeah. and seven thirty. That's why that was the screw Because you're Pacific, but yeah, I, whatever. No worries. We could we could stream when we want. We're the goose. That's crew. it. We're the creators. We decide. Goose does what a goose is going to do. But the worst don't ask. I think I'm, I'm digging this stuff from Curtis though. Like that's brilliant because I think one of the things we need to understand about a nonprofit or a co-op or anything like that is a legal or a structure. Food church. It doesn't mean no one can make any money. It means companies not operated to make a profit. A co-op can have employees. A co-op can have contractors, right? That are paid yeah. out of that. It just like a co-op has to be run for the benefit of the members. That that's that's the legal. That's structure. that's it. I mean, and we didn't even get into any of that stuff. Like we, what we did was we just used the shell because I I closed Green City Acres. And I didn't even actually technically close it, but I stopped operating the business two years ago, but I still had the bank account for it. Mm. And that's all right. Cause we're not, we're not even using any sort of entity for it. It's all just handshake deal. It's all just with our members that we all know each other quite well, but you know what? We actually did make some money, but it just went back into the the pool. You know, anytime we had excess crop, there's a few different farms that we could spill over into. So anytime yeah. we were overproducing something that we that we couldn't all consume ourselves or process or preserve, we just sold it to a couple of our different farmer friends, and then they were able to use it, and then they could just throw some money back at us, which just went back into our budget, which was great. And do you save on taxes from being a nonprofit? Well, we're not even paying taxes because we're not making money. So there's no legal entity. Kind of like there's no there's no legal entity. I mean, technically. Technically, if I wanted there to be a legal entity, I could put it under the original Green City Acres uh, entity, which does still exist. But we're just, I'm just, all I really wanted was a bank account, just so that we could take everybody's money from the co-op, put it in there, and then have a debit card so that we could just go and spend stuff and right, buy so. stuff, really. So is that on your personal identity, the bank it account? It is. Or? Yeah, it is. We don't have LLCs in Canada, so if it was in the U.S., it probably would be an LLC, but... Yeah. So we're doing something similar here, Curtis, that's really funny because that's like synchronicity where four families are going in on poultry projects, so ducks and chickens for meat. And then it 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 ends with processing day, which is also processing workshop day. 
So the goal is that the fees from the workshop cover all the costs of the meet so that it then perpetuates itself. Exactly. Projects. Yeah. So it's always did, good to have a pilot to do. last year, but we're going to do two or three of those this year. Yeah. Just Curtis, do, do you stuff. know how you sell a single pasture chicken for a hundred dollars? Do I know? Do you know how to sell a pasture chicken for a hundred dollars? Get no. people happy to pay you for it? Well, just in a Actually, CSA it lays golden eggs. It's fifty dollars, right? So what you, it's really a hundred when you hear how you do it. So what you do is you raise twice as many chickens as you need, right? Then you run a workshop on how to process chickens. You charge right. $100 a head for it. And a person comes and processes two chickens because you don't really know a thing until you've done it twice. When they're done processing the two chickens, you keep one and they take the other one home. You just sold the chicken for $100. I mean, that, that's really the way that it works out. Yeah. And then yep. half the people don't they even take their bucks. chicken because they flew in or something like that. <laughs> so they like, you keep your chicken. So you take all the chickens that the people process that didn't take home they're supposed to and you cook them and you feed everybody with them. And nice. then you put all your chickens in the freezer. Yeah. And, and it, it's a good model. your model and doing this with it. Yep. I smell opportunity. Yeah. That's no, you're, you're right. It's just, I'm not necessarily hurting for new ways to make money. It's more ways to make impact that's that's no, more what i'm absolutely. interested in but yeah. but you're right and and, and I, I even had the thought like um you know it's a great opportunity to do workshops for sure um but then you have all these people freaked out about social distancing but the the the, the way around all this i've figured this out i don't know if you guys have seen this down in the u.s i've seen it all over i've seen it uh in idaho and montana a lot of the southern or interior states are doing this um you just create a membership so if you want to get around all this social distancing nonsense, you, you're really upfront. Like I've got a friend who has a yoga gym who does this. It's a membership. So you don't want to have people that are freaked out about the Rona anyways. They're annoying. They're going to sit there and huddle in a corner with a mask. Like forget it. So I don't want it. I don't want any of those people showing up. So you just create a membership and there's a waiver. You pay a dollar to be a member. You agree to the terms of service. Now we're in a private society. This is the, the Masons are a private society, right? All these, there's all these structures that do this stuff. So we can do the same thing. You want to have a workshop? It's not public. It's private and everybody there's a member. Yeah. I do. That's an interesting thing you just stated there. I'm just kind of betting that inside a Masonic lodge, I wouldn't know. Those guys <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't know either, but they are. I a bet they're not society. wearing masks. I doubt it. I doubt it. I'd love to know, actually. I'd love to see what they're, what they're doing in there. Are they allowed to tell us? I don't know. Getting into some Illuminati shit here. Hey, uh, are we allowed to say curse words on your channel there? Oh, go nuts. Oh, yeah. All right. Hey, why don't we take one of these questions? Um, speaking of, you know, the paid workshop model, there's a lot of folks in the anarchist liberty community, maybe not the agorist community, because as Sal always says, entrepreneurship is such a big part, but I know these a lot of people have a strange relationship with money and they feel off. They don't feel comfortable with asking for money, but yeah. somebody uh, looks like Emily Barker asks, why not pay to play, have a yes. free forum and a more serious $5 a month section for those after the value. If it's not worth $5 a month, then why are you here? And I think that's a great thing to yeah. kind of weed out the people that are serious. It like is. there's that old adage where if you put, put together a free event and everyone RSVPs and stuff, but then only five or 10% of the people show, yep. but if they got to plop down 20 bucks or five bucks a month, then they're going to participate and they're going to take it seriously. What it's do y'all think about that? hundred percent. And you immediately get rid of all haters. I can tell you what I've built a, I've built a, a fairly big private platform. My from the field dot TV got a lot of members in there now. 
and there is zero haters because they're all paying to be there. <laughs> and so it's easy. It's a real great way to get rid of trolls and problems. Um, but it does create, you know, now you need, you have, you need to have sort of an administrative process. So if that does, if that means it's a telegram group or something like that, well, then somebody's now got to manage that. And that's another added la- layer of, of complexity, but it's, it's true. And like when I taught, I've taught workshops all around the world. And every time I did cheap workshops, or workshops that were subsidized by universities and some people showed up there for free, you lower, you, you lower the whole bar of because now you have a whole bunch of people who are just there to ask dumb questions and want to talk versus people who paid good money to be there and are really serious and are thus better customers. You have that element to it too, right? Yeah. Well, I'd say. One of the challenges with the Freedom Cell Network for me is like the inner cadre is my inner circle. That's how I see it. Those are the people it existed before I even knew about Freedom Cells. And I was like, great, I got eight. No problem. Because that's there, right? Those are my friends. I know those people really well. I don't need $5 a month from those people. So $5 a month from a bigger network or paying for an event from a, from a bigger network makes sense. But if you're going to, I think if you're going to have dues, that we all participate in kind of like Curtis has the $5,000 in on his thing. It needs to go to a purpose if it's your inner circle, because otherwise people are like, why are we just throwing money in an account for whatever? Right. Um, so that's, that's just my perspective on, on like thinking about where you would put something like that strategically and use it as a tool. Uh, <clears throat> not that I hate money. Cause I don't, I don't mind asking for the $5 a month, but it's just more, there needs to be value for it. I think also like in the world of like social media forums, online groups, et cetera, that's fine if you have the numbers, right? Like, so you don't filter until you have enough stuff to filter, I guess is what I'm saying. Because if you do that from the beginning and, and you have two people in there, I could just talk to Curtis myself. I don't need to be in this $5 group with Curtis. So I think it can work, but I think you, you shouldn't try to solve the problem before you have it. Right. So if you build up a really big group and then you introduce this option, I think it'll work. I think coming out of the gate, you have this. And then the people that are going to do this are going to be the ones that are the most busy. So you need a significant amount of them in that online discussion world to keep it going. Right. Because they're outside doing things. So they're not going to be there. They're not going to that. None of those people are going to be your 24 seven guy that Kurt, Kurt started this off with. So. Their participation level in discussion is going to be low relative to the talky talk, which is good. But if there's three or four of them, then nothing happens. So I think you have to be careful with that. It's kind of a paywall type thing. Like anything that has a paywall should build up its contingency and then create the premium option. It, it's a lot like running a nonprofit. I remember Mark Shepard said at one of the permaculture voices, Kurt and I were at um, a nonprofit without a profitable entity attached to it is a professional begging society. And I think yeah. that concept goes a lot of other places. It does. Yeah, absolutely. You got some Sal? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good idea. Um, you know, just to put it simply, I'd rather have, I think you can have a greater impact with 100 dedicated engaged followers than you can with a hundred thousand people who are just sort of just there, just passing the time, just biding their time. So it's important to have an engaged audience. And if you have to include a paywall to do that, then do it. What do you think, Hawk? We haven't heard from Hawk. 
What about like Fire On? Is that just going to be a free app for everyone to use or is it going to be a paid service or what? Well, I was busy consulting with Bill Gates and George Soros and um, (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. That was for you, you, John. Um, No. So it's 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 got two levels, right? Uh, Well, a number of levels, but two pertinent to this discussion. One is the free app usage. You can use it like any social media, right? Like Facebook, whatever. But we don't sell your data without your permission. And we can act as a broker to sell your data if you want to make money off of it. However, it's not tied to your individual name. That's a whole different, separate discussion. But then there's also the paid membership where it costs $1 or one day's wages in whatever country you're in to become a member owner, kind of like REI. I don't know if you're familiar with the REI cooperative business model. Yeah. Um, it's technically the, the, the member owners don't have any rights in REI structure, but you're technically a member owner. Um, Costco, you just have a private membership where with Fireon, you are a member owner and you have certain rights and taxes and things that you have to take care of in whatever jurisdiction. But it's one day's wages in whatever country you're in so that it levels a playing field. And then that's a one time thing. And now you become a member. Right. Sounds good. And then at that level, you get to you know take part in voting and, and deciding things and how to help run the company, how to spend the surplus uh, revenue and profits. Is it protected or maybe dissuaded from um, higher level participation. So I'm guessing one person, one vote, but if one invests more, does one have more than one vote? Is that? So, well, that's a, that's a whole separate thing, right? If you want to invest and make, get like first uh, revenue share kind of thing, you don't get extra votes. You just get extra revenue. It's kind of like board member seats that, you know, have revenue distribution, but not extra votes. Um, but everybody gets one vote, one share. It doesn't matter how much money you're spending in there. It's kind of like PayPal. Like you, you're just using it as a, as a mechanism. You're not, you're not investing in it in the sense of, of that like direct stock return. You're okay. sort of investing in the vision of the future for the world. So it's not like mm-hmm. investable mm-hmm. shares, not investable shares. It's, yeah, I got you. Yeah, but what we're doing, like to, to, like I wouldn't do this in the in the in the Telegram chat. Like we have thousands of people in there and now, and it's like, you know, it got really messy for a while. I don't know if you guys discussed this in the first half hour, but like you have thousands of people in a room. Like, how do you, you know, curate a conversation, right? Well, how do you? How did y'all in that group? We had a Zoom meeting with everybody and uh, just discussed it and said, you know, like, Firon chat is kind of like where people come to find out about it. We don't want to be talking about fucking Q and all this other nonsense. You know, we want to keep it sort of germane. Linwood. Yeah, exactly. You know, so we're basically like anybody who wants to talk that stuff can do it in the baseline chat. And so we kind of created another room and everybody who felt like talking there, like, went over there and yeah. they're going ape shit, you know, like all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, I got busted. Immediately on that, apparently, because I walked in and asked the question. The ex is like, yeah, you should be asking that question over there, Nicole. Got her. Yeah. Got her. Yeah, it was kind of like that with a, for a couple of days, but people have been really good. Like, you just sort of set the intention, and thank God, you've, you know, everybody's just been really, really great about it. Yeah. Hey, so so one thing that is, is something um, that is – really important to consider, especially with where we're at right now with all the things going on is infiltrators. How have you guys dealt with that much or what, you know, what's your experience with that? What are your thoughts on that? Cause like I've already exposed infiltrators in some of the things that I've been involved with. And, uh, Oh, I want to hear stories. I just don't want to name names, but I will tell some stories, but be keys. 
Well, yeah. Well, I'm kind of curious more what you, what you guys, what you, if you guys have experience with that. Um, can I tell you guys as like, in, like in the whole 3D printed gun community, I got feds up my ass like you guys wouldn't believe. <laughs> Every day I have somebody else in my DMs like, can you sell me a 3D printed gun? Can you, can you, like, how much, how much for you to mail me an FGC9? And like all this crazy shit. And it just goes to show you how inefficient the ATF is. They can't even do that. They can't even spy on people in, in an efficient manner. So I mean, you deal with it all the time, but you have to be smart and you have to keep your eyes open. Operational security is huge. Always use like encryption. Don't do anything stupid. Know the laws. And like know the rules of, of your local jurisdiction for sure. I've always thought that a bigger concern that I've experienced in almost two decades of organizing is uh, a holes are more of a concern for me than infiltrators or. FBI. And that's kind of what I mean too. So yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. At the end of the day, whether it's a Fed and they are engaging in. COINTELPRO tactics like they did in the 60s and 70s and still to this day the program never ended the counterintelligence program where they busted up the new left movements Black Panther Party Students for Democratic Society and they would go in and turn people against one another and start rumor campaigns and go after the leadership so if it's that and it's paid for by the feds or if it's just someone that is socially awkward or someone that has trauma in their life and they take it out on other people, it really matters not very much at the end of the day to the success of your group and you have to treat both of it equally. And so I try to caution people because when we talk about the Freedom Cell Network, a lot of people's initial response, and I think this says a lot about their mindset and where they're at, is fear. Well, we're just going to get raided. We're just putting ourselves on a list. Now I say, well, if we're all on a list, then there is no damn list. So who cares? But um, I think the important thing is not to necessarily go into it with fear or allow fear of the unknown, something that may never happen, to lead to inaction. Because until you actually spot something, then it's not really a problem. And it becomes a problem. And you can always tell the big tell is for pe people that are advocating violence, right? And you got to nip that in the butt and then make it clear this is not acceptable in this community. You know, we're, we're about self-defense and we encourage firearm ownership, but we're not about the initiation of violence, even yeah. against like tax collectors, so on and so forth. Um, so I think you nip it in the butt right away, but you make sure that the group has a consciousness that this is a possibility, whether it's fed or just a jerk. And we all need to have predetermined means of dealing with this should it arise. And the first thing is like alert leaders of the group, alert admins, tell other people if someone's whispering stuff in your ear, that's obvious, could be uh, get people in trouble. And that's a big no-no, initiation of violence again. And then you just nip it in the butt. If you have that consciousness already predetermined, then when it arises, it isn't allowed to fester. Yeah, yeah. I think of it a lot like gilding. In permaculture, so in permaculture, we'll build guilds so that plants actually control the invasion of other plants, right? So if you discipline a group well, if you teach a group well, if you establish it well, you as a founder, and I, I do this with most of, my, most of my groups, once they're running, I step back. And when stuff like that comes up and I'm thinking, I got to do something, I'll, it's going to wait. A, and then, boom, the group handles it. And you're like, I don't. I don't have to do yeah. this anymore. That's, yeah, that's good. That's the goal of, of any group that you found or start or initiate is to make the group self-policing. If it's it, and that's what I said at the beginning, Curtis. Like, don't be too hard on those people that are there all the time because right. if they're trained in the way and they're believers in the way, they're the, the way. ones that even if they're not the ones that directly drop the hammer, they're the ones that kind of guide everybody else and form that mindset. 
So when that stop stuff pops up and it's totally against what you wanted, boom, you know. And, and if anything, you end up having to pull them back. And go, I don't. We don't need to be that tight. <laughs> like, and that's yeah, and, that, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. good yeah. balance. It's easier to pull them back than shut them down, right? Because <laughs> you, you know the, the other the other thing you know when I was talking about infiltrators, it's not so much um, this idea. And this is this is what I've discovered about infiltrators. It's not so much that they work for the secret service or something like that. More often than not, infiltrators are either people that are, they're like, for lack of a better word, there's some social justice warrior that wants to go after people like us and is totally ideologically motivated and willing to put on a game face and lie to do it. And, and I've seen that shit happen. Or there are people that are, ideologically motivate extremely ideologically motivated in a slightly different way than you are so you're kind of on the same general area but in the law community it's I, i'm seeing it a lot with people that are like really into common law and there's a bunch of these people now who want to do radical stuff and this is kind of what you know john was kind of talking about this a little bit is like people who are instigating violence it's not so much that that i'm seeing but it's people that are saying we need to go and raid this government building yeah. or whatever. Common and it's law like, court. Yeah. We have a, yeah, the common a law court thing, man, it's total bullshit. And it's just like, that is a trap in my opinion. And has uh, it ever works? What's that? Has it ever worked? I think that has only resulted in like mass death. People just get arrested and get the shit kicked out of them. And, and I, it's hard to, cause it's, you know, how do you prove that somebody's a shill, right? Like I'll, you hear this in the truther community all the time. Like, oh, so-and-so's a shill. It's like, okay, how do you prove that? However, if you can see that somebody's desires motivate actions that get people in trouble, that's a problem. And that's what I see a lot of these days. Well, well I, think I think as a leader, you need to point it out when that's happening, right? You know, I see this in the cryptocurrency world all the time. Question number one. How do I break the law and not pay taxes on things I should pay taxes on? They ask me on Facebook. Listen to Sal's podcast. Um, <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? So it, part of it is like, what is your intention with this participation in the group? Cause we're not, we're actually not looking to have a bunch of federal agents come raid whoever. And if you're going to behave that way, then you need to move on and start your own group motivated by inviting federal agents to raid you. Mm -hmm. So I think part of that's up to the leader to just the first rule. Or be smart. If you have, if you have that question, be smart and talk about it in person or an encrypted channel, not in the public telegram group. The first room of the rule of the no tax club. Don't talk about the no tax club. Right. Right. Unless you're a big club. I think a lot of what we see as infiltrators though, are actually people that have misidentified what we're doing. And instead of misidentifying it to attack us, they've misidentified it to associate with us. Right. And I've seen this in much more harmless ways. Like uh, a few years ago, it's a lot of years ago now, I ended up on the Glenn Beck show and nice. I did a really good job and I got a great big pot from it, from, you know, people following me. And I started getting connections and emails and things from people. And I had to go, I am not the one you're looking for. Right. Like you have completely misread this. I'm not like this was back when Obama was still president. They were hitting on you or what? I am not the guy that's here to stop Obama. I'm here. The the guy that's here to teach you how to run your own life. And you're not, I had to be very clear. Like you're not going to be happy. You should just go back to Glenn, 
you're not going to be happy. If you want to learn skills, you can do that and still be a Republican. I don't have a no Republican policy or anything. I'm just telling you, like, if that's what you think you're going to get here, no. We're, we talk about preparedness. We talk about homesteading. No, we're not going to be running million-man marches. Like, that's not my thing. So if that can happen, then it can also happen that somebody's like, well, they're not saying that they're going to, like, raid the White House, but that's what they're going to do. If you can have the moron that thinks that because they want to attack you, you can also have the moron that thinks that because they want somebody to do it mm-hmm. with them. Like you know, and I mean, so you look at it and you go, you're either a fed or an idiot. And either way, I don't want you. And you <laughs> yeah. have to have kind of that. Like as soon as that person starts seeing like it, like out there, they're either doing it as bait or they're doing it because it's real. And real's probably worse than bait. Either one of those situations is bad. Yeah. yeah. A lot of this, I think a lot of this comes down to just like being consistent, right? Like John said, like we don't believe in violence. Like as, as agorists, we reject that principle because not only is it immoral, but it's also, it's also inefficient. Yeah. It's, 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 it's never worked. It's, it's yeah. never worked in all of history. Violence will change governments, but counter economics will eradicate them. Like that, that's the yeah. main difference. That's mm-hmm. why we should be doing what we're doing here and trying to teach people how, like Jack said, to be in charge of their own lives. Yeah. yeah. That's the answer. We've been dealing with, uh, because, uh, the, you know, people organize on freedomcells.org, which anyone can go sign up and be a part of that community, put yourself on the member map. But a lot of the action are in the chat groups on Telegram. And there's a global one, there's a Texas one, Central Texas, Houston, DFW, Canada. It's called like Free Kanukistan. And, yeah, I, uh, I actually, I have people message me. And, you know, at first I was like, I'm really busy with life and family and business and stuff, and I can't deal with everyone's little internal affairs. But now I kind of appreciate it because with the Freedom Cell Network, you know, we like to think of it as cells in the body, and the health of the cell determines the health of the body, and the health of the body determines the health of the cell. And so people have been reaching out, and they're like, hey, like recently someone reached out and was like, hey, I'm kind of concerned. There was a guy that identified as a neo-Nazi, and he was talking about not wanting to see multiracial families and originally one of the admins booted him, but then the other two admins brought him back. And it's like, I don't feel comfortable with this. What's going on with this? And so, you know, my initial inclination for the network is like, I want it to be hands off where the local group, you know, you guys need to keep your own house in order. But a lot of people are looking for direction and such. And so it, it brings up this question that me and Derek really had to hash out. And it's like, so we like to put out guidelines and recommendations, right? It's not like a rule, although violence is definitely a rule and we'll come clamp down and say this isn't part of what we're doing if, if that comes out. But it's like, where do you draw the line? So for me personally, I don't want to be in a network or participate with anyone that identifies as a neo-Nazi. I don't have time or patience for folks that judge other people because of the color of their skin or their race, right? But And, and so we came up with okay, authoritarianism, like we're just going to disassociate from people that have authoritarian views, meaning they want to see governments or institutions control and coerce other people. That's obviously not what it is that we're doing. But then it's like, okay, well, what about an anarcho-communist, for example, or which is kind of a paradox or an oxymoron, but it's like, okay, what about some Republicans that want to hang out? They may be have authoritarian strains or like a lot of Trump supporters were like, let's empower the department of Homeland security paramilitary to go round up these, these uh, folks in, in Oregon and so on and so forth. It's really tricky to draw that line. But what we ultimately came up with is like, we are not going to accept or we're going to disassociate from people that have an authoritarian strain. Authoritarianism is where we draw the line. What are y'all's thoughts on all that? 
So anybody but Agoras, John. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I, I think one of the things, like, when we first conceived of tonight's topic, we talked about, like, how to keep your community together. And there's communities that are very successful that I totally am not in line with their ideology at all. I'm not a religious person, but I have to admit some religious communities have a lot of staying power. They do. They're the best ones. And they ones. have that staying power because they have common ideology, right? So I think if your group is an agorist group and someone is completely counter to that in any mechanism, whether it's because they're a neo-Nazi or because they think, well, all you assholes should be paying taxes, then why are you in this group? Yeah. And I, I don't really understand Mastodon very much yet, but I was watching a video on it, and they were talking about how basically – the groups are federated with each other and they'll defederate from other groups so that instead of being like on Twitter and you see everything that's on Twitter, right? Just because somebody shared it, if it's from a group that your group that you're part of has defederated with, you don't see it. And that defederation might be because your group is neo-Nazis. It might be because your group is federated willingly with neo-Nazis, even though you don't have it in your group directly. And people say, well, that's censoring free speech. No, that actually is free speech. Because right. what we're talking about here is federation and defederation. I want to defederate from everybody that thinks it's okay to steal my money and my property. I will pay the man where I have to because I don't want them to come take my shit. But that's no different than if I'm if I'm in a back alley and some guy pulls a gun on me, the first thing I'm going to think is, how close is he to me? Can I take that gun and shove it up his ass, right? But if if I look out of my left and right eye and there's two other guys pointing a gun at me and I am – Stone cold beat here. There's nothing I can do. I'm not going to pull some, you know, freaking, uh, Van Damme bullshit or anything like that. Cause that's all crap. Then I'm going to give that guy my wallet, right? I'm not doing that because I think it's the right thing. I'm doing that because I'm stuck in that situation. So right. we might be discussing ways to stay out of that situation. And basically somebody's saying <clears throat> you need to go into that situation willingly because it helps people. Great. I'm glad you have that op- opinion. You can fuck off over there elsewhere in your own little world. We're not doing that. And whatever that is for you, fine. If yours is loose, fine. If it's tight, fine. But whatever it is, once you draw the line, you do it. If somebody starts some shit about free speech, that's where the banhammer comes again. <laughs> because it amazes me. We've gotten to a world where we think free speech means that if somebody comes to my house and writes, Jack Spear goes a dickhead on my wall with spray paint. I know, I know. And I paint my door back to the way it was, I violated their free speech. This group, this thing, this entity I've created is mine. It's designed yeah. to be run my way. Free speech means that you can go do that too, and I don't get to come screw your stuff up. Exactly. And if you want to put a group of Antifa assholes and call yourself the Antifa assholes, I think you should be able to do that. Please identify yourself so I know that, and I'll stay away from you. I'm not going to have nothing to do with you. Exactly. Right? Dude, that's that, okay. It's that, I, I hear that shit all the time because I, I ban people left and right on my YouTube channel because it's my house. That's how it, it's the, and then, oh, Curtis is anti free speech. It's like, no, no, no. This is my house, dude. And you come to my house, if I have a party and you come to my house and you're a drunk asshole and you're smashing stuff and you're hurting people, you're going to be kicked out of the party. But you yes. can go and smash your own shit at your own house, no problem. <laughs> it's amazing that people don't get that. I got some of the dumbass comments I see uh, of people who, who think that free speech is this sort of unequivocated thing. It's like, no, it's free speech across the board, across everybody, everybody's world. It's like, no, no, this is my house or this is my town or this is our community. You don't do that stuff here. It's that so I'd, like, yeah, I'd like to add something to that. Like, 
Go ahead. Pretty go ahead. It's like, okay, you don't close the bar, oh. but the bar gets to decide what, get, how things go inside the bar. Right. So like if this bar decides that it wants to only let men in because it's, that's what it wants to do. That's its business. If it wants to only let women in, that's its business. If anybody that brings up Republicans gets thrown out, fine. But we don't close the bar. We open our own bar. Right. So this is a nuanced thing. And, and there's two big points here. The first one, I really want to echo what Jack said about building a culture. Um, and if you train them or if you show them the way, as he said, you know, then they start self-policing in a way. And it's like we as the, as, as content creators or network creators or community, you know, facilitators, uh, we really set the tone of the culture and, you know, a lot like what Curtis said, it's like, this is my house. You, you don't come onto my porch and start, you know, shitting on everybody. Um, and at the same time, like if we want to create community or prosumer co- communities at scale, like you get a thing like Twitter or fucking Facebook. It's like, you have to kind of let everybody say what they want to say to a certain degree. And where do you draw the line? Like, how do you keep people feeling like it's a safe place that they want to be and share their time and experience and, and really contribute to building community um, without censoring them, right? Without without being like, because I, I, I tend to think like Twitter is not their, it's, there's the, there's a the double argument here. And I, I know there's people here in this community that feel like, oh no, it's their house. And if they set the rules, like you can't talk about whatever it is. But then at some point when it's at such a large scale like that, it is literally uh, censoring free speech. Where do people communicate these days? It's like on here. Um, and if you can erase a people just because of their political view or ideology, you know, that's that's kind of a dangerous thing. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, my initial as an anarchist, my initial inclination is I don't want the government regulating anything. Right. And, but Facebook and Twitter are unique, especially Facebook, whose initial venture capital funding came from InQtel, which is this like CIA venture right. capital firm. It's obviously part of this whole ploy to gather up information and intelligence and have profiles on everyone and so on and so forth. You know, but I think the response isn't let's petition our Congress critters in order to amend whatever Section 330 or whatever. The proper response, whether it's valid or not, that they can censor people or not, the proper response is let's encourage people to use library, so on and so forth. I was going to say parlor, but then Amazon even one-upped all of that. So it's a dangerous situation, but it only underscores the importance and the need for decentralized technologies that are yeah. immutable and censor-proof. I and think it's also should go. governance. Governance. Decentralized governance. Yeah. Yep. Sure. yeah. I, I think I it think- also says a lot too about maybe people are spending too much time on social media and technology Mm, platforms, That's you know, um, because like, let's look at, you know, Jack mentioned some of the religious communities, man, I've visited a number of them, the Amish, the Quakers, the Hutterites, the Mennonites, man, these people crush it. And uh, there's something incredible about what they have done because let's face it, folks, when the shit hits the fan and the light goes, the lights go out, they're probably not even going to really notice what's going on. Because mm-hmm. they're so insular and they're so, de- they're so, they are decentralized actually. A lot of those communities are decentralized and they have ways of communicating with one another. But, you know, I think as going back on the social media thing, it's like the way I see it right now at this point in time, if you get, if you get banned from Facebook, don't go back. If yeah. you get, if you get kicked off Twitter for a week, don't go back. It means that you should be spending more time outside and less time on your computer. We, we, we put way too much importance on these platforms and let's face it we've all benefited from them all of us have 
presences on social media and use these platforms right here. We're streaming this on YouTube. There's benefit to these things. However, with where this whole thing is going, this whole great reset thing, which is what this whole damn show is all about, in my opinion, they're going to hit the, the switch on that sometime soon, too. And so if you don't have this is where I'd kind of like to take this conversation is that if you don't have an actual network in your local area and I what I mean, because this is what I say is if you don't have five people that you can like at least five, at least five people that if you're in a bind and you need help, if you don't have five people that you can call that will drop everything to come and help you and you do the same for them, I think you're in trouble. If, if all you've done is, and you might have all the kinds of, because we see this today. There's people that are really popular on social media, as in they have lots of followers and whatever. But in real life, they have nobody. And if you don't have a real community on the ground, I think that is that is a black swan. And we are in, we're getting into the the, the time where that's going to be more important than ever. We're yeah, there. If we if we could just hold pull back a little bit on the social media thing with like Facebook banning people, Twitter banning th- people, is it okay or whatever? I, I think that where we as Agoras, Anarchists, et cetera, have the problem is maybe we're not asking the question right. So do I think Facebook should be able to completely control their platform and kick me off of it? Yes. Do I think it's right that they do it? No. Those are entirely different questions, and I think we're combining them often, and that's where we struggle with the answer. Now, where I start to draw the line is when you can shut down an, a competitive platform and do it clearly in an antitrust way that's, that's a violation of law, which I don't think we should have any corporate laws that we masquerade as state laws. I really don't, but we do, and we're forced to live with that. And where I have a real problem, this is straight up the way that these platforms are doing it, is that if you're going to have that law, then that law should be applied equally to all. And that's my big problem with Facebook and Twitter. If they had the rules they say they have and they enforce those rules for everybody equally, I would be okay with it. The fact that they have those rules and enforce them disproportionately based on how they feel at the moment That's the problem. But again, I think they should be able to do it. I just don't think it's right. That's two different things to me. I think it's based on the DNC, personally, the big tech stuff. Yeah. I think, like, I don't know, the way I see it, I, I don't think anyone really has the right to tell anyone else that they have to or can't do business with anyone. Forced association is is rape. Um And it doesn't matter if that's somebody kicking me off of Facebook or if it's Amazon telling Parler that we don't want your, to do your business with you anymore. It's just the end of the story is that you can't do business with them. That's, that's the end of it. It's just they don't want to interact with you voluntarily. No one should be able to – no one should have the right to force you to to associate with someone else. So that, that that's just the way I see it. But yeah. see, to me, that's fine, okay? But when Amazon Web Services kicks Parler off and then basically all the other companies that could support them that wanted to – don't because they get the threat from the Apple, the Google, the Facebook, et cetera, that will nuke you too. Then we're getting into a completely different world, totally. right? And that world, people say we need government to prevent that. No, that girl, that world could not exist without the state in league with these people. Like Absolutely. Every, every monopoly that's ever existed Absolutely. in the history of humanity has been empowered by the state. Government yeah, I think I don't think a monopoly is, is only possible in the presence of the state. I mean, a monopoly is not actually possible in a free market. And I, I agree with you 100%. I, 
my only concern is that, you know, we start to conflate, um, you know, Amazon Web Services and all these corporations. Yes, they're corporations. They do business with the state. At the end of the day, in, insofar as they still are some, they, re, they retain some element of privacy, then, yeah, they, they should have the ability to act autonomously. But this is this is the thing that's 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 crazy about what's going on right now is that, and I think this uh, parlor was sort of a red herring for this in that parlor popped up as this great alternative platform to something like you, uh, Twitter. Twitter, yeah, and all the sort of concern call them the deplorables like anybody who like was Jack. right of center, <laughs> everybody went there. And then, boom, they hit the switch. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if it came back, and I wouldn't be surprised if – and this is a, this is an idea. I can't, can't prove this, but it looks to me like what's going on is that there's further compartmentalization and corralling of people. And so what happened over the last four years in the U.S. is my theory is that orange man bad – was hammered into the heads of Americans and the world at large, actually. And anybody who was a libertarian, an anarchist, even a good old conservative patriot, a truther, QAnon people, whatever, you literally put them all in one category, which is orange man bad, and they're all over there. So they've basically corralled everybody in one area and listened to the narrative right now in the mainstream media. It is insane. I read an article this morning on CNNBC, which, which said they have a study that showed that anti-maskers and people that don't so, uh, social distance are sociopaths. So the narrative is anybody who is right of center is evil. Yeah. And they're using these platforms as a way to usher people into this corner. This is farming, folks. This is what I know. Yeah. This is just this is a way of getting everybody over in this area so that you can better control them. That's why I said, like, if you get kicked off that platform, don't go back. Keep it yeah. as a sign. Stay away. I don't give a crap, though. Like, it doesn't matter to me. If I think we should, the government should do absolutely nothing about this. And, and this is why. Let's say that I shaved and cleaned up and X and I got together and we went to some people that we knew and talked to some venture capitalists. And I came back to the Goose Group and I said, guess what, Gaggle? X and I have scored. We've got $150 million of VC money to build the next badass social media platform. What is the first piece of advice every one of you would have for me as to how we host it? Hire me as a consultant. Well, I can tell you <laughs> what I'm doing. Decentralized. You blockchain. blockchain it, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And then yeah. you would say, you know what? Take it down, bitches. Go ahead. Right. <clears throat> so if if big the, the, the counterbalance to big tech, the money that wants to play in the MeWe parlor float space, didn't learn that from this. When will they learn it? The yeah. next time or the next? Like sooner or later, they're going to be like, you know what? Screw that. At a greater reset, the guy from Float and I, I take a little bit of credit for this because I kind of pushed that little alliance together, said, we're going to become a library app. And I was like, yeah, then maybe your shit will work, right? Like, <laughs> like get your ass on the blockchain. And then literally say, corral us my ass. Yeah. Take, we'll take it down. You take it down. Yeah. We'll tell us how to take it down. I don't know. How to I can't it even down. take it down I if I wanted to. And <laughs> it's mine. Yeah. Go ahead. Take it down. And I think that's the world we're headed to. So let's not get in the way of that, right? Yeah. Let's not try to do a federal bailout. Let's let the economy recover. Well, Jack, what, I let wasn't necessarily go. talking about 
uh, a way to flip them off. What I'm actually more talking about is when I referred to corralling everybody over here mm-hmm. is is the um, the optics of what's going on in society, and and that's the thing that's kind of that it's not. I'm not afraid of it. It's it's very concerning. Is that the culture in America, and I I mean Canada as part of this as well. Is it's all part of the same sort of North American Western culture. NATO countries. The optics are that we've driven anybody of any of those subgroups I mentioned all over in one place, and now. Now people are calling Cold. them evil and we're going to get to a point where if you don't get the vaccine, your neighbor is going to be calling CPS on your kids because yeah. you're orange man bad. You're mm. evil. And it's we're almost there. We are almost there. We're and almost these social there. media platforms, in my opinion, have accelerated that compartmentalization because everybody mm. associates with that group. And then that group is very like QAnon. Total psyop, and it was done to do that. It was to basically push all these idiots over here, and they're not idiots. Like I don't mean that because I think there's a lot of good people out there that just want to see change, and they bought into this story that had a lot of truth to it, but it just corralled them over in this one place. And this is where we're brewing this civil war in the U.S. because it's like us against all the evil people. Yeah, and like it's a dehumanization. Like dehumanization is true. Like, dehumanization exactly. BLM and Antifa. It's all about. It's all about like ostracism. Ostracism has like a social function. It's a way to 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 sort of take the outcast in a group and sort of expel them. And like that's what they're trying to do with social media by removing the the free thinkers. They're sort of trying to ostracize them and make them seem like the weirdos and the whack jobs and like stay away from these people. And that's, that's been what done in happen. every totalitarian uprising. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's like amazing how people aren't waking up during this shit. I mean, people are, but every single tyranny that's come to power, you but, go back in the history book, it's always done that way. It's they create an effigy, and that's yeah. was Orange Man Bad. Orange but Man Bad was an effigy. But Curtis, right? the solution, though, I think goes back to what, what Jack was saying. I think he really hit like, – that, that's, that's the nail. The nail, nail meets, like, like, head of the hair, like – what am I trying to say here? Hammer meets the nail, right? Like you have to tokenize and, and like get on chain because that's the only way it's going to be uncensorable. And like I know like people are sticking tired of hearing me talk about tokenization, but content tokenization is huge. Look what Minds is doing right now. Like you own your data, not Mark Zuckerberg, not Jack. You get paid for your data. You control like your 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 content. So that's really key. It's like get on chain. That's how you stop this this sort of corralling that you're talking about. I think. I, I think so. somebody, being, being out in the public. Somebody at John's and, event. Uh, John, do you remember who this was? Somebody said they didn't like the term universal basic income. They liked universal earned income and that the average person's online activity w- was worth more money than the average person in the world has for a day's wages. And yeah, if they that's, earn their that was the entire – that's the entire function behind the the where it said universal basic income on our old site. The idea is universal basic contributions, meaning you get paid micropayments like what Steemit did for a while. You get paid for your views yeah. and your points of view and your and things that get upvoted more and and you get like micropayments, right? But that eventually, like if somebody in Uganda used that, that would give them enough to survive and not just survive, but thrive in their current That's what environment. Saying. I don't remember who it exactly. was. Exactly. That it was not Charles that, Eisenstein. Yeah. That, that That's shit. it. Yeah. 
I'd like to think that Charles got that from me back in 2014 because that was literally what we were talking about and how to it, a basic income based on contributions. That's that's where what we have it labeled on our new site. By the way, we got our new site fireon.com up just today. Um and fireon.com. So, fireon.com. <laughs> and so yeah, that's the idea is that there are a number of ways you can earn money in Fireon is it's like you can become an associate, an ambassador and all of these different roles that you could actually mediate conflicts within the within the app you know how they have fact checkers and this and that well imagine if people were fighting and somebody was just like hey would you guys like to solve this in a way that's actually constructive that would make you both walk away feeling better instead of like dicks right. you know so we we pay people in those kinds of ways for microtransactions but you can actually earn an income and eventually you know if people want to they can they can distribute profits evenly amongst everybody probably be like a couple cents here and there but it's something for somebody again like in uganda or whatever not to pick on uganda John, one of the problems you add in that before uh, Jack jumped in. Oh, sure. Um, I was going to say that what is taking place with the conservative Q orange man bad group um, is that there's a dehumanization campaign taking place. And that mm-hmm. historically has happened That's exactly with right. Jewish folks in Nazi Germany, for example. It happened after 9-11 against Muslims and the media was just banging on it. And the what it does, Stalinist Russia. it makes it easier for the public to accept when bad things happen to this group. Because if like... There, uh, Dave Chappelle was in Austin for a show and him and, uh, what's the guy with the giant podcast? He's in Joe Austin Rogan. too. Joe Rogan. They were hanging out together and there was another artist there and they all took a picture together without masks. And I'm in this group. Oh, yeah. I'm in a group that tracks but, businesses uh, that don't enforce mask stuff good just so I can find them. where I can go and stuff. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And, uh, they're like, I sure hope Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle get covid you know and i was just kind of like why would you wish that upon someone but now people see them as the enemy and it's okay for bad things to happen to them because they are so different and what i was going to say is the solution for that is for us to go out and get in get out in the community and go help the old woman build a garden in her yard or go help deliver groceries to someone that doesn't have a car or just be present and visible because it makes it a lot easier to demonize different people when we're all hidden behind a computer. And then if you get banned from where everyone's at, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, then it makes it even easier for them. Like I noticed there's still Alex Jones videos on YouTube, but it's videos of people making fun of Alex Jones and he has no platform to defend himself, love him or hate him, right? So one thing that we can do in order to overcome that is to be out and active in our community, making positive, valuable contributions, not just complaining about stuff. I I don't think that catfighting on social media just makes it worse, but you can ask a question like a friend of mine very liberal was all in on i can't remember what but they want punitive action to be taken against some republican person and the way they said it grouped everybody into one group and i said you do realize you're referring to me on that right and he said you've never had a violent moment in your life since i known you i said exactly me and a whole bunch of other people like me Mm. that people are trying to shove like into a, a corner and accused of being, you know, insurrectionists. It's like I was nowhere near the Capitol and, you know, oh, no, going to take over the Capitol. That was not a successful way to do it. Well, just yeah. from a strategy standpoint, but that, that aside, also, uh, I don't believe the violence is the way to go. <laughs> and a lot of people in our network who are totally nonviolent are being cast as like crazy gun toting, 
Well, there were a lot of innocents in the gulags. There were a lot of innocents in the yeah. uh, the concentration camps. And it's because of that dehumanization. And it's so rampant, like Curtis was saying. I mean, even even like long term friends of mine that have known me since childhood called me and are like, you're a racist now. And oh, I'm like, dude, same for me. Are you kidding? Like, my dad's black. Like, that's fucked up, you know? It's- and like, I don't know how to break that that bullshit right and Might it's not like be able to i don't know yeah. if we can and that's what that's what i think there seems to be two kind of ways that two you can go wars. about this and i think one it, it totally depends on your context like everything but it's like what uh john was saying about okay we need to be out there we need to be you know proactive and be right you know a visible uh positive solution for people that might work if you're in a place like texas but if you're in a place like uh Southern California, probably not. So this is where I wonder if this is something I've been talking about for a while now is this idea of private societies, because I think in some places we're past the sort of we're past the point of return in that so many of these orange man, bad people who or who yell orange man, bad, the, the sort of the social justice where like that meme of that woman ah! screaming yeah. when Trump got elected. The nuts, so the, they, they think we're so evil. And this goes to even anybody who questions the pandemic, the pandemic. Oh, no, I had, I had women come up to me, like, just, they were completely nuts and were really just, and I laughed. I was like, friend, how, how Dude, did I've had laugh? the same thing. And I was super sweet. I didn't get it's offended. Al- it's like, always women for me that come after me. But the point <laughs> I'm trying to say is, uh, where, where, where is it where you go, okay, yes, let's go out and be a positive force and create a good image of people like us. Or we just say to hell with it. Let's just, let's just hunker down and do business with each other. And one, uh, one, one example I can tell you is when I lived in Montreal, I lived in the Orthodox Jewish area called Outremont and they do it very well. They only do business with other Orthodox Jews. So say what you will about that. But in the times that we're in with all this crazy shit and this total dehumanization that's coming at people like us, because like, they're literally calling the Wall Street bets people Nazis now, right? Like, yeah, that's where that. we're at. It's <laughs> insane. And so uh, this, this is where I think the point is, like, we need to just stop trying to wake people up <clears throat> and stop trying to, like, engage with the rest of the, the public is to say, fuck yeah. the public. Let's go yeah. into the private. Let's do our own thing and create our own economies of scale yeah. and find reasons to cooperate with each other. Like Sal's talking Based about value. We need to have yeah, an economy. Values. There's a, there's an essay by Albert J. Nock, um, 20th century libertarian thinker called Isaiah's Job. And he recounts the story of the prophet Isaiah, who was tasked with spreading the gospel by the Lord. He goes out to spread the word and he comes back totally disillusioned. He prays to God and God's like, Hey, you know, that's not your audience. The mass, the masses aren't who this message is intended for. You're not going to be able to win them over. This message is intended for the remnant, those people that are going to pick up the pieces of society and rebuild when it crumbles. And there's a, and he, he relays it to libertarianism and he talks about Plato's definition of the masses and other historical definitions of the masses. This is the large lot of people 
that are incapable of understanding many of the principles that we speak about on the show, non-aggression, voluntary exchange, the idea that perhaps we can socially organize cohesively, harmoniously without a state institution. Most people aren't even capable of comprehending that in the least bit. They gloss over. And when you start talking about it, they just think you're Q or you're the other type person. And so really where it's at, we ought to be focusing our energy, not necessarily on waking up the masses, although there is value in broadcasting the message because people on the fringes will join us in the remnant. But really what we need to do, and I realized this after Ron Paul 2008, there's enough of us out there that value freedom and liberty and choice and autonomy. All we have to do is start organizing ourselves. And there's enough of us where we can collectively opt out and support one another without needing the state or any of this other BS. I agree 100 percent. But there's something that since the dawn and inception of this this conversation with all of us here on Unloose the Goose, there's like this the free man beyond the wall. There's the this idea that like we are the minority and that we're we're going to be like overtaken by the masses. of And and that to me is 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 not I don't want to say defeatist, but it's it's defensive right it's like a resistance to this this perceived uh tsunami of inevitability right whereas my position has always been like fuck the noise let's build what we want to build and here's a vision because if we have an inspirational vision that we can move towards a vision of what the future could be then and we and we articulate it well enough and we build it on the values that each of us have here and that the agorist community has it's like we're the ones that we've been waiting for we're the ones that those motherfuckers have been waiting for and we're we are the we are the solution right we don't have to be the 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 solution beyond the wall we have to be the institution but we don't want to fucking be the institution because we're like the the president who doesn't want we're like jack He's like, don't fucking vote for me. But he would make a good president because if he was the one to actually do it, he'd make some fucking sense. Right. So we're the ones who would actually make some fucking sense out of this whole situation. But we don't want to do it because who the fuck wants that job? Right. So, like, how do we build that in this decentralized enough system with governance that works so that it's it's almost like it's like I feel the I feel like it's incumbent upon me to build fire on and make it as a solution for the world. Because I want that positive vision and I don't want to live unless I have a positive vision to move towards. I don't want to live in a world where I have to feel like I'm doing it just to survive. I want to build something fucking incredible and I want to play with everybody, you know? I think Curtis I think is, the Cur- solution is not different than the solution's always been though, X, in that it's been very easy to be agorist in the United States yes. for the last hundred years, really, right? It because you don't have a lot of Ram, you know, negative percussions, repercussions to that. And that doesn't change now because things are tightening. The the thumb screws are coming down. We have to continue to choose to be agorist, to choose to be free, to choose to build the life we want. And what's cool about this group is we're talking about doing it. People can see us doing it. And then it gives, I think, a little bit of more bravery when you see somebody else saying, no, I'm going to just keep building my life as best I can. I'm going to show you how to do it. I'll even give you a hand up if I can. Um, And Uh, and that solution has never changed. And in some of the most controlled countries in the world that have been terribly abusive to people, the Agora was going on the the whole time, right? mm -hmm. People were figuring out how to build the life they wanted as best they could in the (laughs) environment they were in. That's what Mm -hmm. we've got. What we do. What were you going to say there, Sal? 
No, I think you really, I think you're on the money before um, when you were talking about how we have to like sort of trade and interact amongst ourselves, because I think what will happen is that people will start to see that on the outside, like Nicole was saying, exactly. and they're going to sort of be inspired yeah. to, to join in, into that sort of economic community. Yeah. Quick example, after I had you and Jack on the show, I thought to myself, man, you know, I've got some good ideas here. I'm going to go try to find like some farmers, some local ranchers, whatnot. And I did. I found like some local guys and I started buying like some beef from this rancher and some meats and whatnot. Nice. Well, now I got like all of these people I know from Tampa now are all going to the same rancher. Like we're all taking a ride out every step. It's just like people start to see how it makes sense from an economic point of view and they have no choice. It's just the rational thing to do is to begin to participate. Your boy, uh, Samuel Edward Conkin talked about that, how as the agora and the counter economy grows, there's a part in the New Libertarian Manifesto, New Libertarian Manifesto where he talks about the different phases of an agorist society. And you reach a point where there's visibility and you see people prospering. You see people interacting together peacefully. You see people healthy because they're not bought into the GMO pesticide food. They're eating their own food. You see people exactly. prospering financially that got into cryptocurrency, for example, exactly. which is a real world example. And then the other folks that are still living in the status paradigm, which by now hopefully is broken by then in the future, they're like, well, what are these guys smoking exactly. on over there? Dude, I want to, I want to hop in bed with that. Have you guys seen that video? It went viral a number of years ago. And is this guy? dancing at Coachella or it was one of those like outdoor festivals yeah and, and then everybody started dancing yeah and somebody yes. did a TED yeah. talk on it and it was it was called how to start a movement or something and it's brilliant because it's like okay first you're the lone nut which is us right now I think and and you're dancing and you but you're really into your groove and then you get the first follower who is like just as important as the the, the starter and then all of a sudden the hipsters come in the proverbial hipsters, I should say, that are like, okay, that's kind of cool. I want to be over there. Now you've got a scene. Now that scene is a movement, right? And so I think that's why, that's how, why I think it's more important than ever to accept the fact that we need to stop trying to wake people up. I think that the, the cabal, these, these douchebags, they want us out there in the fray because when we go into their arena, we play by their rules, and exactly. then the mainstream media can call you a neo-Nazi and all this bullshit, and they can degenerate you and dehumanize you, and then you're just you're lamb to the slaughter. But when you go and say, I'm going to build my castle right here, and I'm going to fortify and make this happen, that is it. Because there's yeah. already enough awake people out there. We don't need to wake anybody else up. We just need to start working together and creating economies of scale, and then people are going to be all these People in the city, when all these towns turn into New World Order hellholes where you need a damn vaccine to go to Home Depot, they're going to be like, look at all these people out in the country. This is cool. This is where I want to be. They're eating organic food. They're living on the land. That's where I want to be. Go ahead, Sal. No, that's that's me. You're describing. Okay, okay. Yeah, they had to make a... They they had to make a law in uh, colonial New England that you couldn't leave the colony and go live with the natives because they were actually having so much of a better time. <laughs> well, they they've done illegal. that in Canada too. They did that to the they did that with the the Japanese internment camps. They've done yep. that with the Dukabors here and all kinds of other religious communities. They, they, they've done this many times, but I think we're past the precipice now because I think we're actually in the majority. I think there's yes. way more people who agree with us then we even have any yeah. idea. The there media just isn't an does, organized way to collectivize and get that cell body together and fucking activated. That's Not why yet. freedom cells is, is so key because totally. freedom cells really does sort of have that same organizational structure that Konkin lays out in NLM. Yep. And that's why I'm so excited about it. 
Yep. Freedomcells.org. <laughs> Fireon.com. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm trying to podcast.com. Yeah, I think it's super important. Like, uh, the, the whole idea of having a guild or a small community like that is like super critical. It's like your inner core. It's kind of like your kitchen cabinet, right? Like, and I mean that like your, it's like your, your governing cabinet, right? Like your kitchen crew, like the, the tight crew that you call up the, those eight people or five people that you've got, Curtis, in your town or in your space that are like your go-to, right? If something shit goes down, it's like you build that. And then you put those together in a grander structure and the mandala grows. And then you, then you have federations like what Jack was talking about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Totally. It's funny too. Cause people always, I see a comment that comes up and I always see a comment like this. It's like, Oh, well then, uh, then they're going to vote to come and take your stuff. And it's just like, it's just that lame sort of way of being, you can basically say, Oh, well you're going to die someday. So why would you even bother living? Right. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, it's so lame. It's like, yeah, Who cares okay, what they yeah, vote that on. is always a possibility. Shit can happen, but yeah, that's and, life. You and that's to definitely going to happen if you don't do anything. Cause that's, I get a lot exactly. of people that are do like, you want an inevitable, yes, you're screwed. Yeah. Or do you want less of a chance that you're screwed by at least trying to be part of some kind of yeah. resistance or whatever, you know, it's I've riskier hearing... not to build a community than it is to build a community. It's riskier not to have your five people or yeah. a hundred people or your 15,652 people. Freedomcells.org. <laughs> I've been hearing versions of the argument of, well, I'm not going to plant a garden, Jack, because when the shit hits the fan, everybody's going to come steal my tomatoes. <laughs> I, I've been hearing that. So shit, lame. So and lame. I've been hearing it in so many different places. So many, the same argument repeated since 2008. Right. This is not about COVID. This is not about the greater, the great reset or whatever. This is human nature to when you don't want to do something because it's too hard or you just don't feel that, you know, it's worth the effort. You make a freaking excuse. And I'm like, dude, just mm-hmm. say you don't want to plant a garden. I respect that, but don't make some BS excuse up like that because who's going to take your tomatoes? And I, I do think that kind of circling back a little bit to a prior discussion about walling people off in enemies that, that kind of made me think about when I interviewed Selko from the Balkan States about the Balkan wars. And he said, you know, there mm-hmm. were people that stuck together and there were people that went out for themselves and eventually it ended and it didn't work out very well when it was over for the people that were out from themselves and, and they victimized others. Absolutely. I wonder if a lot of these people that are very much a victimizer, because eventually I don't even want to use the word normal. I did a show this week on why normal sucks anyway. But eventually, you will have this virus run its cycle. You'll have a new form of control that will come in. And, and the things that are being used right now to control people won't be here anymore. And and I wonder, the people that made everybody the enemy, how it's going to work out for them at that point. I don't think it's going to be good. Well, look, they're they're lionizing George Bush now, and he was guilty of that. He was like, before it was COVID, it was like the Iraq war was their excuse, and now he's back to being like, you know, a hero. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, that is that is the elites in the media laughing at your ass. It's like, you guys yeah. see that meme of like, like uh, Warren Buffett and George H.W. Bush, they're all laughing. They're like, uh-huh, and then we made them do this. So the new one yeah. is, then yeah. we made them take an anal swab, you know, and they're all laughing. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that meme. It's like. George W. Bush, who is the most blatantly iron-fisted, tyrannical president that's been in my lifetime, 
is now on Ellen DeGeneres and he's doing paintings. Like it's like <laughs> they are laughing at Crazy. your ass because the media, the media is just like making fun of you. Like it makes me wonder if Stalin was alive today, he'd be out there doing like totally. or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would have been sitting next to Bernie with those mittens. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. It would have been like it would have been a meme. It's just shadow puppets with Stalin. Oh, it's on. Un- it's unbelievable how they flip the narrative and just like. Yeah, every like, like every, the hatred for George W. Bush was real. Like everybody hated George W. Bush. Even, not anymore. I think even most Republicans hated him. And yeah. and now he's like because Orange Man bad, right? They effigied Trump. Now the biggest tyrant in American history is now like a good guy. It's unbelievable. It just goes to show you how indoctrinated and brainwashed people are. And hats totally. off to the public school system. Yeah. You're old enough now. You remember when when Ronald Reagan was Satan, right? Ronald Reagan was Satan, according to the media, man. You know, and I'm not saying he was a great guy or nothing. I'm just saying, like, whoever Satan changes, you know. Well, Ronald Reagan was the guy who signed the executive order to protect vaccine companies and give them 100% legal indemnity. Like, it's like all all these all these sort of uh, conservatives who who always like prop up these other right-wing guys are so full of shit. It's just so much cognitive bias, you know? It's just like, they're all crooks. That's why it'd be, we could we could all unify. We could literally unify most people. And if, if you put, like, all Americans or Western society in a bell curve, we could unify pretty much everybody in the center on government is just full of crooks, <laughs> period. Yeah. But they have the monopoly. Like you guys earlier had said that there there wouldn't be monopoly without government. Well, government is the first monopoly, and it, it's always well, the Vatican is the first monopoly. Well, there you go. So <laughs> you know, and then from there, it's like lower layers of uh, warlords, basically. Totally. And what is what might makes right at, at current, this current mm-hmm. stage? But if we had a true meritocracy where the media wasn't owned by the same people who run the whole and fuck entire system, then we could actually have a truly decentralized system. But all, all like people build a company, a media company, and all of a sudden this big media company says, "Don't worry, you can go relax for the next forty years." And then that person's like, "Cool." And then they sell them their company. And then what happens? Yeah. The media then becomes that one company's voice. And yeah. that company's owned by whoever, who's ever, who's ever at the Vatican, right? <laughs> so what yeah. we've got is we've got to be able to have people who want to continue doing what they're doing and not have that like fucking golden parachute paycheck and be like, hey, I'm just going to go kick it for the next 20 years doing jack shit, you know? And uh, like you want to, if you want to do something, like do it and do it for the good of humanity rather than for, you know, but you have to, you have to build a culture and that takes at least two or three generations. And you have to do that in a way that's actually inspiring and be like, yo, we want to go this direction mm-hmm. and have accountability. So nobody gets into those positions of power where you can own the whole fucking system. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I think you just hit something really important. This multi-generational thinking It's something I've talked about for a long time and, and even talking about it, I forget about it. I think one of the problems that we often have because we can so crystal clear see the bullshit that is the state. Right. Even if you believe that a state, because I don't agree, but even if you believe the state can be good, I think that if you take any logical viewpoint of what's going on right now, you're going to be closer to us than than the current version of the state. And because we can, and this is what frustrates, this is why Curtis is ready to have his freaking head explode right now. (laughs) You see it so clearly, it's very hard for you to understand why 99% of people don't. And you got to look at all that shit. And you got to realize if we're building something here, and we're in the fourth turn of the fourth turning where everything's gone to f- 
fuck all shit. Like yeah. it's like two generations before we go back to building before it breaks down again. Yeah. So and we and Jack, happened, we drew that straw by our birthday. And dude, that's and where I, we are. So all we we have to be patient in our minds, but not patient in our actions, if that makes sense. That's yeah. why what the, what we're talking about right now, X touched on it, and then Jack, you you iterated and expanded on it, this idea of the, the generations thing. That is why what's going on now is a long game. We yep. all need to have kids, have our families, and play the long game. Raise your children good. Like this is this is simple old school stuff, but this game is going to last forever. They think a lot. A lot of people theorize that the whole McCarthy area was uh, actually was for a reason. That there actually was communist infiltrators, and yeah, maybe there was a lot of paranoia with Clearly. that. But look at what you got. You yeah, got, you got the China Joe. And so yep. there has been 60 years of psychological warfare going on in the Western world. That's a few, that's a couple generations, right? And so we literally, in order to get on the other side of that, we've got to get on the other end of that bell curve. And it's going to take this, this could be 30, 40, 50, 60 years to fully rebuild. And that's why it's more important than ever that we do that. What the Orthodox Jewish people do in Montreal and New York is like support each other's businesses, create communities yeah. and just play the long game. But the good news though, Curtis, is that I don't, <clears throat> it, it, at this rate, I don't think the banks, to me, it's all about central banking, right? That's the whole nexus of the enemy's operation is the federal reserve. Yeah, I agree. And they have, their, their Ponzi scheme is so fragile at this point. It's just waiting to be tipped over. And I don't think it's going to last 30 or 40 years. I think the key, if, though, for us is that when that collapse occurs, we agorists have to have the, the agorist cadre, the new libertarian the the alliance, the, the freedom cells. We have to have the structure there so that when that collapse occurs, we can sort of take the weight on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. And maybe, and maybe the, the collapse of the central banking infrastructure and all that will accelerate that. My optimistic side believes that. I really do. But I just think, you know, prepare for the I worst, mean, hope for the best. There, there's know? like a, there's a danger that we have a sort of central bank collapse and then we revert to socialism, yep. right? Like the politicians come out and say, look, this is because of free market capitalism. Well, that's what they're that's saying. Gonna happen. That's why it's so important, though, that, you know, we, we focus on organizational structure and building communities through, like, like free market economic transactions. Let's do it. Yep. Are and we I think good job, John. Go ahead. We're doing it. What were, you, what were you saying, Nicole? I said, aren't we already doing it? She was I, just I, adding a little flavor. Yeah, I think we all are, each in our own way. And, like, I'm really, I'm actually really excited for the next five years. I think that. We're going to see some super duper transformational stuff. It's almost like the cell body of, of humanity is like being challenged by an alien force, not necessarily real aliens, just maybe not. I don't know, but just a real it's the illegal uh, aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, but like we're going to have a white cell response or like a immuno response mm, to this. Yeah. And it's like natural. The, the T cell response. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think what's going to come out of this time period with the tools that we have, like blockchain, like decentralization, like governance, like freedom cells, like Firearm, like all of, all of our communities and collar, and collar dollars. Like, you know, I think there's going to be some cool shit that we do, provided everything doesn't fall completely apart. And even if it does, like, I'll be on the other side doing this shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hell yep. yeah. Yep. Somebody uh, somebody threw me a super chat and said, should I invest in GameStop? I saw that. No. 
Yes, three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. I think um, Ethereum's got some room so to grow. Buy right Bitcoin now. instead. Yeah, or Ethereum. You, I, I know, you know one it. thing I, I will say, you know, to touch on that a little bit, uh, as far as like, I don't know, currencies and all that, you know, a lot of you guys are into crypto and stuff. Um, I still think precious metals still win the game, uh, especially small denominations, silver or, you know, one ounce or half ounce in that. Uh, I forget who says it. It's like, uh, I think Doug Casey says it, that precious metals are like a silver dollar is the, uh, and precious metals are the only form of money that aren't, isn't simultaneously somebody else's liability. So I would make the, in that you have that coin and it's yours. So of course the liability is maybe somebody could steal it from you, right? You'd have that with anything. But the, the, the black swan with crypto is if there isn't technological infrastructure to manage it, it's not there. Now I understand it's very unlikely that that infrastructure is going to get knocked, knocked down. But I think with, when it comes to metals, mm-hmm. I mean, time, they're, they're tried and true. And when it, and if we get into an era where we are literally in these physical freedom cells in that, you know, the city, the cities now look like uh, new London out of brave new world. It's just this or, or, or hunger games. Right. And it's like, okay, all the, all the, the savages live on the outlands. That'll all be us that we might be so cut off from uh, infrastructure that metals and simple coinage might be the most practical way to transact with one another because we're Especially all in like communities a, anyways. I don't, the think, test we, of I don't time. think anybody here disagrees with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I've got a yeah. percentage of my, my holdings in, in those things, you know, yeah. and bullets and, you know, yeah. coffee and tobacco, you know. <laughs> seeds. I've got the coffee. Exchange. Yeah, seeds. coffee. <laughs> Crypto yeah. for exchange, metal for savings. It's that's that's the formula that I use, and it seems to work pretty well for me. But I think you're right. In like a shit hits the fan scenario, there's nothing better than small denominational silver, junk yeah. silver. Yeah, dude, this is, guys have been a great conversation, yeah. Curtis. I'm glad you came back. Yeah, man, I'm stoked to be here. He's back. We, we've been we, we've been we're just on 99 minutes. So I mean, does anybody have any final thoughts they want to share? If not, we we could just uh, shut her down. I just wanted to. I think like one of the most important things we came up with here is the concept of this is a cycle. And I think that one of the things that people have to get in their head is we're not going to win. We're not going to lose. It's a cycle. And one of the most common memes, and I don't mean a little picture for a joke, but running themes that goes through our community is the concept of the matrix movie, right? And the red pill and all this stuff and realizing where you really are and how you're controlled. But I think people miss the main message of that movie. And that is that if you think about how that trilogy ran and all through it, we've done this before. We've done this before. And when it's all over and the good guys finally win, what happens? Starts all over again. We started over. And it starts over. And they gave you, check this out, they gave you the keys to understanding the entire movie in the first minute of the first movie when they told you the main character's name was Neo. Neo means new. And that's all this is, is a renewing, a constant renewing of humanity. So we have to take the mindset of one of my mentors, a gentleman named Valerie Asanoff from the former Soviet Union, and he was an Olympic athlete for, for the Soviet Union in its heyday. And he said the reason we were so dominant, especially in combat sports, we didn't train to win. We trained to survive. And if you survive long enough in a match, eventually your enemy makes a mistake. Yeah. So you survive, you survive, you survive, you survive. And when they make the mistake, you capitalize. And yeah. that's how you win. 
Yeah. And that's the way we're going to have to be. We're going to have to take this approach. And when I say survive, I don't necessarily mean in the context of like my show, the survival podcast, like survive in the wastelands or whatever. I mean, we need to be able to thrive right through all of this and just accept the fact we're not going to end it. There's not going to be a day where like it's like the end of a Star Wars movie and the Empire right. falls and dun, 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 and the Ewoks party like that's not going to happen. Well, the First and Order came shortly movie. after that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. There's truth in Hollywood. Like. If we accept that, then we can build great lives and we can contribute to the next cycle. And that's we're like a tree in the forest. Eventually, that tree is going to fall, die and rot and grow another tree. That's yeah. our role. That's the role of all humanity if they'll embrace it. And that yeah. doesn't mean and people when I say that, people are like you're defeatist. All right. I, I'll let that go. But I just say, like, if you're thinking that at the end of my statement, you didn't understand it. Yeah. The price of liberty is eternal vigilance. <clears throat> Yeah, anyway, I like I like to think about it in sort of the uh, parallels to to regenerative agriculture or or just holistic health in general is that you can we we have an opportunity to turn a downward spiral into an upward spiral and so the spiral represents that there are cycles right the cycles exist as Jack just pointed out but we can steer that cycle up or down. I would say right now the Western society is in this absolute cultural collapse, which is like a down a toilet bowl. But we can, through the use of a lot of the practices that we know through equitable economic systems like cryptocurrencies and whatnot, or things like Jack and I talk a lot about regenerative agriculture, bringing all these things back into the whole system, right? It's a whole systems approach that involves where you get your food, where you get your energy, how you transact and engage in your community. We need to turn this into an upward spiral because the cycles are always going to be there and we're going to have lots of blips along the way. And I, I, I would even make the case that if we go down into our sort of like, we, we become feudal lords in these little fiefdoms and 10 years down the road, there's going to be some circling back and all these kind of people that uh, might be running to their bunkers for a while during the civil war, they're going to wait. They're going to, they always let us do the work. They're going to let us go rebuild society. And then they're going to circle back. And they're, it's just like how the, the Israelis, you know, put porn and propaganda on the pal, the Palestinians televisions to demoralize them. It's the same old tactics. They're going to always use the same tactics, but we can, if we, the key is, is if we're in it for the long game and we're in it to survive as Jack puts it, let's survive and thrive by bringing back and, and, and incorporating all systems of regeneration that are equitable to everybody in the community. And we can turn that downward spiral into an upward spiral. Those are my final I like, thoughts. I like that analogy, Thanks. Curtis. Um, I think, and I guess this will, this will be my final thought. I think the way to do that though, the way to create that upward spiral is to engage in counter economics is to find ways to create local production facilities and then trade the, 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 your, your production in a sort of voluntary, uh, fashion. And use the technology that you have available to you to do it. So that's how you're going to create communities. That's how you're going to build alternative systems to the whole, you know, the downward toilet spiral, as you like to describe it. That's how you do it. So that's that, that's, that would be my final thought, I think. Excellent. I've got one, and that's that um, I loved your spiral analysis, Curtis. And when I look at it, I think you can either obsess about which way the spiral is going or you can, you can acknowledge that you're in the environment you're in and do the best you can. Uh, it's very easy when we can see the obvious links to what's happened in the past with what's going on now to just focus on the problem. 
what I love about you guys is your solutions oriented. And I think anybody listening to this show who's like, ah, stop obsessing about the problem. Start building what you can do the best way you can, building those, those connections, building those relationships, uh, transacting with people who you can support and they support you, get to know who's on the other end of, of what you're doing every day. And all the energy you spend there and not obsessing on the problem is how you end up surviving the situation and thriving. Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Final thoughts? X, John. You guys nailed it. But just, yeah, just do stuff. Take action. Yeah. Pretty action 99% of the time. Worry about the problem 1% of the time. And when you think about the problem, don't think about it just to get overwhelmed. Think about Analyze the problem so you can strategize as to how to avoid it or opt out of it, so on and so forth. Yeah. 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 And to, to not live in fear. It's so easy to look at everything and get freaked out. You can be concerned and, and be aware of things that are happening, but don't take that to bed. Don't take that to story time with your children. Keep that. Right. Keep that away. You know, men, I think men are generally better at compartmentalizing their mind that way. But whatever, like sexist, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Misogynist. You like Trump, don't you? Yeah. yeah I, I'm, I'm orange man bad. I'm over here. Right. Well, this has been amazing. You guys, I, so, I really, uh, I really just want to say one it. last thing. I, I think you guys are all incredible. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I think you guys are all incredible. Um, what you were saying about, you know, don't, don't obsess about the bad stuff. Laugh at the bad stuff. Yes. That's, that's what I do with baseline. That's that's really so that you can, you can laugh and just fucking, in, you know, enjoy. Um, and yeah, fireon.com, P-H-I-R-E-O-N. <laughs> you make it a great day, won't you? Amazing, you guys. Thanks so much. And, uh, I guess, we, yeah, I mean, for, okay, so for my audience watching we had like over 700 people in here. This is amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild. I love it. So, so anybody who's watching who wants to tune into these podcasts, I, I'm going to try to be in them more often, but, but we yes. all kind of rotate. Not every one of us is in these all the time, but, uh, I put the links to the unloosethegoose.com uh, in the show notes of this video, just below the video, and the link to the YouTube channel is there. So subscribe there, and um, yeah, we'll see you in the next one. Hong Kong. Thanks, guys. All right, Hong. peace. Hong. Unloose the goose. We'll take no view.